0: was scared because i had gotten backlash on that blog post i had written about a mother's love and i had a lot of support from people saying they felt the same way and they understood but then there were a handful of moms who just said how dare you how could you feel this way after wanting a child for so long you can't even bother loving the one you got and it destroyed me that that really destroyed me i was in a dark
1: place I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing
2: of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Tresha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. If you look up Julia's blog, Lemon Stripes, you'll find a vibrant young mother sharing her tips on fashion, decor, motherhood, and lifestyle. But today on the Down to Birth show, Julia shares a part of her the public hasn't fully seen, a woman with a history of anxiety who struggled with conception and miscarriage and who finally conceived and birthed the healthy baby she dreamed of, only to feel completely disconnected from the moment of birth. This is the story of a woman who began motherhood merely going through the motions, hiding her disillusion and belief that her baby deserved better, until some of her own fans sent her into a deeper spiral than she'd ever experienced. Julia tells us today about reaching the breaking point and the steps she finally took to face her truth and begin her journey toward healing. Hi
0: there, I'm Julia Jafik, and I am a mom of one toddler, Amalia Louise. She is two and a half years old. Um, I live here in Connecticut and have had some really interesting emotions and experiences as a mother, like probably every mother out there. And for me, it started a little bit earlier than motherhood because I experienced two miscarriages, unfortunately, and then had a hard time getting pregnant after that for almost two years. And I wrote about my miscarriages and the emotion, and it was something my therapist had me do to get the feelings out. And I shared that story with my husband. And he said, you need to publish this on your blog. This is incredible. This is going to help other women out there. And I hummed and hawed about it and thought about it a lot and eventually decided, okay, let's just do this. And I hit publish one day, and it went viral. And to this day, which is you know three and a half years later, I'm getting emails from, Almost daily from around the world, women from London, women all over the country are saying, I had a miscarriage and your blog post helped me get through it. You said exactly what I was feeling and or my friend sent me this and it was so helpful to read and I know exactly what you're feeling. And then oftentimes I get emails from women or men saying someone I'm close to went through a miscarriage. And that was the first time I really realized that there needs to be this connection between women who are going through these very difficult emotions. Um after that i didn't speak about it for a long time but got pregnant about 18 months later and as soon as i got pregnant i felt excited i felt like this is not real i couldn't really believe it was happening but i did not feel a connection to the baby inside my body and i thought something's really wrong with me so i talked to a therapist i talked to my doctor i talked to friends and family and they said you know you had a miscarriage so you're probably just blocking this out and trying to, like, protect yourself in case it happens
1: again, and that made a lot of sense to me. Can you explain what you mean that you didn't feel a connection? How did you know you weren't feeling a connection? What were you expecting to feel? That's a great question. I think when you see women in
0: movies or you see women on TV or even my friends, they talk about how much love they feel for the baby inside their body already, and I, I didn't feel that. It felt almost clinical. Um, I was excited, but I wasn't in love. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. So almost just like this distance. Yes.
0: Yeah. It didn't feel real. It felt It felt like I was living in a, an alternate reality mm-hmm. almost. It didn't feel like this was my body or my baby. Mm-hmm. Were you
1: onto something or was it that society had set up your expectations falsely? I'm not entirely sure. I think there's a little bit of both. I think you're meant to
0: feel a certain way based on or you think you're meant to feel a certain way based on what you see in the media. But I also think that I had this incredible struggle with, with what I had gone through, and I,
1: I couldn't mentally wrap my mind around what was happening to me. Yeah, you almost don't trust it, that this is really happening, and am I really about to be blessed with this? Like, dare I be happy right now, and right. you're afraid to be? Was that, was that, was that how you were feeling? Sir? That's exactly how I felt. So the first time I felt
0: some sort of connection was when we found out that we were having a girl. We I had been very convinced that it was a boy for some reason, and I found out that it was a girl. And then I thought, OK, this is real. And I felt a little bit of something. I felt a spark. But it still wasn't that connection that I really wanted. I wanted to feel in love. And I still didn't. So throughout my entire pregnancy, that's how I felt. And then where things got really intense for me was at the end. So at the end of my pregnancy, I'd been having contractions for two weeks. And I had been preparing for my birth. And I'd been manifesting this really beautiful birth. and. Uh, meditating on it and thinking about it every day and was just you know nervous and excited like every mother with their first birth Um, but I was so focused on that I still wasn't really thinking about the actual baby that was going to come out which is so crazy to
1: think about now that's Uh, normal it's normal for women to think about the birth but because we have so much anxiety and anticipation around the birth that we really tend to not think about motherhood I think I had to focus on the giving birth because I was
0: too afraid to focus on what was going to happen after. You know, I took the classes about how to breastfeed and how to change a diaper and all that. I was too scared for it in a way. Yeah. So um, I go into labor <laughs> and I had this really amazing birth. I had, you know, I did these meditations and I was calm and my husband was a very big part of the birth and he was very supportive. I had a wonderful doula. The whole thing was just, it was beautiful beautiful. It was this birth that I had really imagined this whole time because I'd been focusing on it for so long. And when the doctor said it's time to push, are you ready to meet your little girl? I looked at my husband and I said I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But she was coming, so I didn't really have a choice at that moment. So I pushed and I pushed and at the last minute they said her heart rate's dropping. And my husband said Julia's or the babies. And they said the babies. You need to push really hard right now. Don't stop pushing. And I got this panic and this adrenaline and I just pushed as hard as I could and she wouldn't come out. So they had to give me an episiotomy, which I saw the scissors come in slow motion. Um, so as soon as they cut me, she just slid right out and everyone was just ecstatic. My husband was crying. His first words was, she's so beautiful. And my doula took her from a an nail and put her on my chest and everyone was looking at me and just kind of anticipating this reaction. And my first thought in my head was, what is wrong with this baby? She does not look normal. And she was purple. she had had the cord wrapped around her neck. She looked to me terrifying. I thought something was very wrong with her. She didn't look like a baby in my mind. And at that moment, I realized, oh my gosh. Or I didn't realize, but I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just going to be a terrible mother. I can't even love my daughter the way I'm supposed to love my daughter. And as I'm thinking this, one of the nurses said, so what's her name? And I could not say it out loud. I had had this picture of what my baby Amalia would look like and it wasn't her and I couldn't say it out loud. Anel had to say it and I wouldn't let anybody call her that. So that was really hard. Sorry. Um, and then I started feeding her. She latched right away. Everything went really smoothly. She She didn't cry pretty much at all for those first few days in the hospital. She was a great baby. She was so chill. We had no problems. But that night I... I had given birth at 8 in the morning and had been in labor all night, so I was ready for a shower by that night, and I was so excited to finally take a shower. So I'm waddling around in the, in the hospital room, and I told him now I'm going in the shower. That's my husband. I turn on the water. I start to step in, and he starts screaming, and he says, she's not breathing. She's not breathing. So I go to the bed and press the nurse call button, and it takes him about 10 seconds to answer but in my head it felt like a year so i was like this is not fast enough i ran into the hallway naked you know with this postpartum body and the first person i saw was a janitor cleaning up and i said get a doctor in here right now my baby's not breathing and i think he thought i was absolutely bananas but the nurse came in pat- patted her back she was fine she had had amniotic fluid in her lungs totally fine. They weren't even phased by it, but I was shaking just for hours. Shaking could not stop shaking. And then in my, and I didn't say any of this out loud because I was so embarrassed about how I felt, but I said, okay, I obviously love her. I obviously care about her. I have this like protective mama bear feeling. I, nothing can happen to this kid. I know it's my life job to protect this baby. So that felt good, but I still knew the feeling wasn't right. I didn't feel that Deep love. My husband would look at her and say, "Don't you just feel butterflies in your stomach when you look at her?" And I had no idea what he was talking about. And today, you know, I have a two two and a half year old, and of course, she's the light of my life, and I feel that every time I look at her. But I didn't feel it then, and that was hard. And I had had these conversations with my mom, who moved in with us for a month after she was born, and with my husband about postpartum depression because I've had I've struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. So we had a whole list of signs to look for. And I didn't have any of them. you know. I wasn't having thoughts about hurting my baby. I wasn't having thoughts about hurting myself. I wasn't crying all the time. And I wasn't having all these things that I thought were postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. But if I had to get up with her in the night when it was, I mean obviously I had to get up with her in the night all the time, but when it was time to get up with her, I would panic if I were alone with her. Just completely panic, sweat, cry, didn't know what to do. I felt like I can't do this. I'm not going to be a good mother. And that was one side of it. But the other side was this lack of connection. And that was really the hardest part for me. I just didn't have this feeling that everybody else had. And I couldn't say it out loud.
1: Listening to you talk and say something like, I didn't have this feeling that everybody else had. Therein lies the beginning of the problem. Because it's the feeling you assumed everyone else had. And so many women feel exactly this way. So many women can ask each other, how long did it take you to bond? And for some women it's immediate, but we think it's always immediate. And then the other thing is the misinformation around uh, postpartum psychosis, which is having thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, is nothing like postpartum anxiety or depression. And postpartum psychosis, while very serious, is extremely rare. It's more like one in a thousand. But virtually every woman can tell you where they fell on that scale of postpartum anxiety and or postpartum depression. But see the lack of talking about it, the lack Mm -hmm. of information, is the problem because then we have this healthy, normal woman like you thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? It might even go further to say my baby deserves better
0: than me. 100%. I I felt that exact feeling, my baby deserves better. Maybe I'm just too selfish to be a mother. And we went for a walk one day. It was summer when she was born. She was born in July. And we we used to live on this closed loop. So we took her for a walk in the stroller in her little bassinet. And any time she'd cry in the stroller, I would panic and sprint home sprint. I could not hear her cry. She didn't cry. So when she did, it was like a
2: panic inducing feeling for me and I'd sprint home. What was the feeling that you were, can you, can you identify the feeling you were feeling in that moment? Like, was it that you were em- embarrassed that somebody might see you with a crying baby or that you felt safer if you got her home that like it was a safe place for her to cry or
0: any? I think it was a control issue. If I were at home, I knew what to do. If we were walking around, I didn't know exactly what to do to calm her down Mm because we'd spent so much time at home. And it was a a control and a comfort issue. At home, I felt comfortable. I knew where to sit. I knew where she liked to uh, nurse. I knew what to do. I was so structured right after she was born. I did um, a technique for sleep training called Baby Wise, and I was so structured with her sleep schedule because it was the only thing I felt like I had control over. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect... It was much too structured Mm -hmm. it was great for us it worked really well she's still a great sleeper but it was not healthy for for myself for my husband for anyone in our family probably not even for her
1: but i had to do it for a lot of women when we're coming from that place of anxiety we feel comfort in structure but then we can take the structure too far and then we're just feeding the anxiety we're feeding that anxiety exactly Is that what you
0: felt? That is a thousand percent what I did. And at the time, I didn't realize that. But I remember, right, we had a, I put a whiteboard in my kitchen wall Mm -hmm. to write down her nap times. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And in the morning, she'd nap from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. One day, she didn't fall asleep till 7.15. And I had a full-on panic attack. Mm -hmm. Now, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. So I knew, I knew what a panic attack was. I knew how to get out of it. I knew what to do. But my mom was sitting there and saying, it's, 15 minutes. It's going to be okay. And I just could not wrap my head around the fact that something had changed so, dras- so drastically in my head, but it was so silly and small in reality. So back to this walk, I'm taking a walk with my husband and I'm just crying and he's so happy and he's just so in love. He's just such a wonderful father. And I'm just so sad and I'm just so like detached and I just... Don't show my sadness, but I'm not connected to him. I'm not connected to the baby. And it's starting to become more and more obvious. And he just looked at me and said, I feel like you regret having this baby. And I just started sobbing. And I said, sometimes I feel like I do. And I've never said that to anybody else before because you don't want to say that about your child. You know, she's, she's everything. I cannot imagine a life without her. But at that moment, that's really what I felt. And it was a scary feeling. I had spent years trying to get pregnant. That's all I wanted. And I had lost these two other babies. And I thought maybe, maybe because of that loss, I wasn't able con- to connect with this one. And I just had all these like swirling thoughts and feelings and kept pushing them down because I was really, really too embarrassed to talk about them. So then, around six months, I started to feel a connection with her it was slowly but surely but I started to really feel that maternal love that I had wanted to feel and I wrote about it I wrote about it in my blog again and said it was called the blog post was called a mother's love and I said I didn't bond with my baby at first I didn't have postpartum depression but I didn't bond with my baby
2: what made you think you didn't have postpartum depression <laughs> no lack I of information lack, lack of, in, lack of right. being able to talk about it because what you experience is Classic. Pretty, it's pretty it's textbook pretty, yeah and but when your risk
1: factors were a history of loss a history of anxiety depression these are common risk factors but, but pe-
2: on. people tend to think that they don't have postpartum depression or anxiety unless they have those extreme measures the extreme thoughts of wanting to hurt themselves or their baby which as Cynthia already mentioned is the right. major minority and even just crying i wasn't crying all the time i wasn't that's, that's so common emotions are
1: detachment feeling checked out postpartum rage, postpartum anger, postpartum resentment, stress, using the word overwhelm, using the words, I don't feel like myself. These are all indications of postpartum depression or under that umbrella of postpartum depression, where postpartum anxiety also sits.
2: And the postpartum anxiety piece of it is four times more common. And most people don't even know that postpartum anxiety is a thing. We all just think it's postpartum depression, which means that we're sad and lonely. But what you experienced is the anxiety end of it which is far more common and very rarely talked about
0: that's really interesting to hear because in my mind this depression anxiety would exhibit itself in sadness in crying or in anger and I didn't really have any of those feelings so I wasn't feeling these feelings of sadness and I was feeling these feelings of anxiety but I had heard other moms say kind of similar things so I thought it was just a normal feeling after after childbirth and it's common but now I know it's not normal. It doesn't have to feel like that. And at that time, I was in therapy, and I never told my therapist about these feelings because she was a mom, and she was not judgmental. She, is, she was wonderful. I no longer see her because we moved, but she was an incredible therapist, helped me so much with just general anxiety and everything, and I never told her this because I was so embarrassed. So you were afraid she would judge it
2: or that you'd hurt her feelings? Or because she was a mom. it was yeah, No, it's yeah. that. A that she
0: was a mom and that I knew in my head she couldn't have ever had these feelings.
2: It's almost like she'd step out of the therapist role into the mom role and be like mom to mom. That judgment would come out. I, exactly. I was terrified of the judgment when I had written about it in that blog post. I had a lot
0: of moms who were supportive, but then a lot of moms who were just very, very mean about it. I was scared because I had gotten backlash on that blog post I had written about a mother's love. And I had a lot of support from people saying they felt the same way and they understood. But then there were a handful of moms who just said, how dare you? How could you feel this way after wanting a child for so long? Mm. You can't even bother loving the one you got. Mm. And it destroyed me. That, that really destroyed me. I was in a dark place for a long time. So
2: Because now you had to have shame on top of shame. guilt and sadness. and It was guilt. mortifying. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared any time during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com That's postpartum sooth S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. And then, I
0: decided to do something kind of woo woo and strange and different and it made a big difference. So I'm going to tell you that story now. What happened was I have a good friend who's an acupuncturist and she had a new woman working in her office who was an energy healer and she asked me to try her out. So I went in with no real expectations. I thought I would lay there, get some Reiki, feel really good when I left. So this woman started at my feet and came up my body. My eyes were closed. I had no idea where she was. But all of a sudden, I felt this intense heat throughout my entire body. And I thought I was going to throw up. And I opened my eyes and she was right above my uterus. And I told her, I'm going to throw up. I need to sit up. I don't feel well. This is not okay. Something just happened. And she said to me, please, please let me work through this. We're getting some some really negative energy out. I don't know what it is, but please let me work through it. So I said, okay. And she said, just close your eyes and try to relax. So I kept relaxing. I I really thought I was going to throw up. And all of a sudden, the heat kind of just went out of my body. The feeling of throwing up went away, and I just started hysterically crying. Mm. And I could not stop crying. And she said, can you tell me what you're picturing in your mind right now? And it was that image of me giving birth to my daughter and me seeing her for the first time and not having that connection. And I had never, ever told anyone about that. And this was six months, maybe even a year later. So I realized for the first time, that is not normal. I need to talk about this. So I broke down at my therapist's office and told her everything I was feeling. I told her about that moment when I gave birth. I told her about the disconnection. And we, for the first time, talked about the fact that I had postpartum depression or anxiety and we hadn't really flushed out yet, but we were trying to figure out what had been going on. And she said, this is very common. You are not the only person this has happened to. And we talked about it. So I left that therapy session and felt heard. I felt almost validated in a way for the first time. And after a few more sessions, I decided to write about it the same way I had written about the connection, the same way I had written about my miscarriages. So I wrote this blog post called Not All PPD Looks the Same, and I explained my story, just similar to the way I just described it to you. But I left out the part about not feeling that love when I first met her. I didn't talk about it in detail because I was still too scared. So it was it was that story, but almost glossed. It was It was a little bit more packaged and perfect. But I told the story anyway. And there were so many people who told me that I was faking it, writing about it for engagement on my website that I had been lying about it in the first place, and it if that first post destroyed me, this one really took me down. I mean, I cried for days. I was a mess. I had to go to emergency therapy sessions constantly. I was not okay. I couldn't mother my child properly. I was not myself, and I usually don't let internet trolls get to me because I get them every single day, but in this case, it was so personal, and I probably had—I probably shouldn't have shared it so soon because I was still in the thick of it, but I did, and it broke my heart. It broke me. It broke my heart, and I didn't think I'd ever be able to come back from it. I thought about quitting my blog. We talked about, my husband and I talked about me getting another job. It was bad, and I talked it through with my therapist. I talked it through with my family and friends, and... We all kind of decided collectively that I had to get better before I could really tackle what was going on in the online world. So I made the decision at that point to get on an SSRI for anxiety, which was not something I ever wanted to do. I live a very holistic life and thought of medication scared me. What's an SSRI? An SSRI is um, what they use for depression and anxiety, and it basically
2: blocks... Serotonin is Ser- a selective yeah. <laughs> serotonin reuptake <laughs> inhibitor.
0: Yeah, and I was terrified of the medication. I was embarrassed about the medication, but I went on it, and within a month, I felt like myself for the first time since before my miscarriages. And I didn't realize how bad it had gotten until it got better.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting comment.
0: Yeah, I didn't know how bad it was. I really, it had been normalized in my mind. These feelings, you know. A good anecdote to describe the feeling was when I first dropped Amalia at daycare, she was um, she was six months and then when I went back to work. I dropped her at daycare and everyone said, oh, it's so hard. You're going to feel so guilty. You're going to be so sad all day. No, not everyone feels that way. Zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not everyone feels that way. Right. And then, but after I became myself again, I started to miss her in these ways when I wasn't with her. And I started to look at her and really, really appreciate how incredible this child was and how incredible our relationship was. And I just, it was such a beautiful feeling that I again started to feel this feeling of guilt that I didn't have that for so long and that I missed, I almost missed the first six months of her life.
1: We just did a a postpartum round table and that was a key comment in it. Like, did I, they talked about their second babies. One of them did at least. And she said, all I was thinking was, did I miss this the first time? It's a it's a common way to feel, and then the guilt comes back. So can you take us back to um, take us back to what sense you made of those
0: comments? Sometimes when you hear things said that are terrible about you, not just by one person, but on a scale mm-hmm. of a lot of people, it just
1: it's hard to block that out. It's always hard. So what did you do with it? It, it felt extremely personal. You be, you made yourself vulnerable. You shared your story. You were hoping to get love and acceptance in return. Did you get any? Yeah, of course. I mean, listen. But I've, those are I, never the ones that stand out, are they? Never.
0: And yeah, it's interesting because I'll read a hundred messages or comments that are beautiful and positive, and people mm-hmm. sharing their stories, and they're wonderful. And the one I hear is the one that tears me down, and that's silly. And I, I've been working since then. I've worked on that a lot, and it doesn't affect me in the same way anymore. But at that time, it really did. Of course, it did. So what, what do
1: you do with it? And you didn't even share your whole story.
0: And, well, I think that was part of the problem. I think people tapped into the fact that I wasn't sharing everything and the fact people kept calling me a liar. And in a sense, I wasn't a liar, but I was withholding some of the truth. When, you, when you're sharing your life on a, in the public eye, it's hard to do that real time sometimes because you're going through real feelings and real intense situations. And I probably would have handled it different differently in retrospect, but at the time, that's how I knew how to deal with it. That's what I could do.
2: And there's an element of humanness that's missing when you tell a story, a written story or online. That way, you know, if, if you were telling the story sitting face to face with somebody and they could see, it's so much easier to have compassion for somebody when you can see their face and when you can, you know, feel their feelings. And it's really hard to convey that to the masses through you know, even being a great writer, it's just, it's, it's different. It's just like lost in translation. Right. And it's also edited. So you think about what you're going to say and you go back and you change it.
0: And speaking like this more freely, I'm able to just remember the emotions and it kind of comes out as it comes out. And I think that there's something to be said for that. They are no longer part of my story. I'm sharing this just to share with anybody listening that if you're telling your story or talking about what happened to you and someone comes back at you with something negative or hateful or makes you feel shame that you're going to get past that. You're going to move on and you feel your feelings. You're living your life and you can't let them get in the way of that because it can destroy you. It's not worth it. Where do you go from there? Well, I continued in therapy. I worked on my anxiety. I did a lot of meditation. Um, My husband and I went to therapy together, and. We just worked through it i worked hard you know getting over something like that isn't isn't easy and you have to work at it like anything in life and i worked really hard at it and i'm very proud of the work i've done because i can live my life now i can travel with my child or like walk around the block with her without having a panic attack you know she can cry in an airplane and i'm not gonna start sweating and crying myself and i have these fears and feelings like every mother out there but they're not extreme And I want to spend time with my daughter. I want to spend time bonding with her. I miss her when I'm away from her for a few hours, and it feels really good. It feels really good to be with her. It feels good to play with her. And the connection feels so strong. And when we, when I think it was right after we moved, we moved houses about six months ago, and my medication had really kicked in. I'd been on it for about a year. My husband said, it's so beautiful to watch you with Amalia because you are a different person. And you love her so much. And she loves you so much. And the bond you guys have is incredible. And I never, in one million years, thought anyone would say that about me and her in those first six months. And it was really good to hear. It felt like a big turning point.
1: Can you talk at all about what this experience was like for your husband? What was he feeling in those early months? He had to be scared that you weren't yourself. And what was he thinking? Was he isolated? Was he freaked out by the whole thing? What has he shared with you?
0: I'm really glad you asked that. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit and he's a wonderful guy, an amazing husband and father and he stuck by me through it and it was really hard for him before we realized what the problem was. He would get angry because I wasn't doing the right things or feeling the right way or I'd nitpick at these little things he was doing because I was so anxious and I was annoying to live with. I fully admit that. And once we realized what was going on with me, we were able to go into couples therapy and the therapist and I were able to explain it to him in a way that he could really understand. And I remember one session where a light bulb, I could just see it go on over his head and he realized what was going on. And he just said, I can't believe you've been feeling this way for so long. And I got empathy for him from him on that, on those emotions for the first time. And that felt really good. And it brought us so much closer together. And I really think if you can survive miscarriage and postpartum anxiety while having a newborn, if you can survive that in your marriage, you can get through a lot. And I think it's actually brought us closer because he's understood me in a way that no human in the world has ever been able to understand me. I didn't really, I was so in my head and out of it that I didn't even really think of him that much. And once we started going to therapy and I realized he had gone through some crazy stuff too.
1: Your Uh, husband had? Yeah.
0: I mean, he was dealing with a wife who was not his wife. He was dealing with a newborn, which is hard. He had started his own business that same year. It was just a very crazy time. And I hadn't thought a lot about it because I was so in my head and not okay in general. So that's interesting. And I think just in general to have a spouse who can now say to me, are you feeling anxious right now? Do you want a hug or do you need space?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, what? what?
1: <laughs> that is such a good question, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because we usually need one or the other, right. Absolutely.
0: Right. And that was something <laughs> one of my anxiety um, like triggers was touch. And he would want to cuddle while we watch TV, and he would come near me, and I would just I could not do it. And now I look back and like my poor husband. I didn't want to be near him, but now he knows to ask, and that feels really good. We really put a lot of work into our marriage. I think like same with any mental
1: health issue or same with anything you're going through. It's a lot of work and you have to do it. Can you point out one of the most helpful realizations you had in that period that helped you to get better? Or if not realization, one of the most helpful practices, what really helped? One of the main exercises that's helped me the most
0: is, it sounds really silly, but I have an, a list of in my phone, in the notes app of my phone with my triggers, my biggest anxiety triggers. Hmm. And if I feel one of them coming on, I have another list and I have things I can do for it. So for example, um, one of my biggest triggers is has in the past been traveling with Amalia. We get off of our schedule, she doesn't sleep well. I just get very anxious packing. I make all these lists. I turn into just this absolutely crazy, insane person. So what I can do in that moment is take a step back, go take a walk for 10 minutes, or I look through my list. So I have a walk for 10 minutes outside with a dog, take a bath if it's not in the middle of a work day, um, go listen to a headspace meditation for 10 minutes. And I have this list of all these things I can do. I can't even tell you what they all are because I just open the app and say, what can I do right now? Even if I'm in the middle of a phone call or a meeting for work, I can stand up and just stretch my arms, just one little thing and having those kind of grounding techniques again it sounds so silly and like it wouldn't work but it really does in the moment you just have i
2: found that i have to take myself out of those moments of anxiety it's like a diffuser exactly it diffuses the situation and brings it down exactly so cuz anxiety just builds on itself so it,
0: yeah it's the diffuser part but it's also recognizing the trigger so i I'm, I'm feeling anxious right now why do i feel anxious right now i can open that list and say oh well i'm going on a trip in 2 days there we go that's it or whatever it may be
2: It's amazing how sometimes just even naming our emotion diffuses it. And there's an acronym that we give women, and the acronym
1: is EMBODY. And if you do any combination of any of these things, this is the path to recovery. And the E stands for exercise. The M stands for meditate. The B stands for breathe. The O stands for outdoors. Mm -hmm. The D stands for dump or journal, whatever it is you're feeling. And the Y stands for yoga. And that's exactly what you found your way to. These, it, and you're saying, look how simple they are. And I'm thinking, this is the path to wellness for all of us.
0: I love that. I'm going to write that down and use it. That's a wonderful acronym. And I think every person should have it, whether you have anxiety or not. When you get stressed out, you can use that too. They should
2: give it to women after they give birth. A thousand There's your next yes. blog post. <laughs> yeah. One of the things you mentioned is that you would like to have a second child. And I'm curious if you can speak to how you are feeling going into that process, what you're doing to prepare, what you might want to share with women out there who have had a similar experience to you and who are feeling fearful of having another child and fearful of going through this process again. I still have a certain
0: amount of fear. I think I always will just because of what I went through. But... I'm going into it this time with a lot more knowledge and with a lot more resources and a lot more experience, obviously. My focus now is to try to grow my family, have a healthy pregnancy, have a beautiful baby and a relationship with that baby from day one that I feel good about. And that, to me,
1: is the most important thing in the world. If, In looking back on your life, if you were meant to go through this story exactly as you did, because you probably will say the rest of your life you were meant to go through this story. We say that when we come through things well, when we grow and when we learn. That usually is how we look back on our lives through the hard times. Why were you meant to go through this and what did you learn? It's a great question. I
0: think I was meant to go through it because I had these underlying mental health issues that had not been addressed for many years since I was a child. And while they turned into something more extreme... They had to turn into something more extreme for me to deal with them. And that's one reason. Another reason is I feel like I had to share my story because so many other women are going through things like this. And I have a voice and I have people watching me and following me. And I'm able to tell them that it's okay and that we're in it together. And that keeps me going. On the days when I feel like quitting my blog and Instagram, that keeps me going the fact that I can share this with them and that they come to me and say I actually started therapy because of your blog post or I went on medication and I finally feel like myself for the first time in 10 years and I get those emails all the time too still and it feels like it was meant to be for that which is you know kind of silly but
2: I I think I was meant to share if you enjoy our podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple iTunes and share a favorite episode or two. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at down to birth podcast or contact us and review show notes at down Please remember this information
1: is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice or a professional healthcare provider. The ideas presented represent our own thoughts and opinions and those of our guests. As always, hear everyone
2: and listen to yourself. Thank you for tuning in and see you next time. They say the best way to heal ourselves is to share our story. And by sharing it, you heal yourself
1: and you help heal others. And for every woman you hear from, there are so many you don't hear from. The people who just don't ever reach out, but people who are sharing it with their partners and having them read it, it doesn't feel like it was all in vain. Totally, and I I, that your your statement about
0: sharing with spouses just reminded me of an email I got a few weeks ago from this man. It was the husband of one of my followers, and he emailed me. He took time out of his day to email me and say, "Thank you for writing your blog post about um, about anxiety. You have saved our marriage. You saved my wife." And I couldn't believe that that this guy was like emailing a blogger, a mommy blogger, like on his time, and that just felt I felt really great.